And that's it. We are live on the internet with, with, with the magical power of the World Wide Web. That's it. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Thank you for doing this again. Uh, I'm sorry that it, it didn't work out very well the first time. Well, thank you for having me again. No, no Hopefully problem. Hopefully this time will work out better. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer to go by Carrie or CJ? Um, this line of work, I usually go by CJ. Okay. Do you have another line of work that you go by Carrie? <laughs> the mom role. Okay. I do, I do the mom role. <laughs> gotcha. Your kids call you Carrie? <laughs> uh, sometimes. <laughs> when, you, when you're standing in public and holler mom, everybody tends to turn around. Right. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I knew if I was really mad at my mom, I would call her Ruth, you know, when I was about yeah. 14, 15, if I, when I wanted to be a real jerk, you know, I'm like, all right, Ruth. She's like, yeah. what, what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Little jerk. God. <laughs> I hated me at 16. I was a real asshole. Uh, so, kids can be that way. Yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, I have a daughter that is 17 and a son that is 12. You have a daughter that's 17? I do. Were you five and a half when you had her? <laughs> no. Are you sure? I'm sure. I was Holy 21. cow. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I literally thought you were like 27 years old. That's incredible. No, but I really like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. That's, that's amazing. Well, thank you. Congratulations. So she's about to go off to, you know, she's finishing high school. She is. She'll be a senior this year. That's awesome. That's thank really you. cool. Right on. Yeah, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Does she have any idea what she wants to do when she finishes? Yeah, actually, she is wanting to be in a forensic psychologist and a forensic sketch artist. Okay. Very cool. So, yeah. Kind of so. stays a little bit within your realm, you know? Yeah, just a little bit. A little bit, you know, in the in the ballpark, we'll call it, you know. Dif different area, but yeah. Absolutely. So um, by day, what's your, so you have a different day job from your uh, nonprofit work, right? I do. I work for the federal government. Gotcha. And then when you're not being a, a public servant uh, in, in the nighttime, you put on your, your superhero cape and you work for the, I want to get it right, buh, 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 the Guntersville Squad, which is the North Alabama Search Dog Association, right? Well, I work for this. The Guntersville Rescue Squad is the the one um, that I mainly work with. And then, of course, North Alabama Search Dog and um, Huntsville Cave Rescue. I, I do those, too. Gotcha. So those are two separate organizations? They're three separate organizations, actually. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Absolutely. So so what do, uh, what do they do and what do you do with them? Well, with the rescue squad, um, which is the one where we primarily work here with, with water, um, mm -hmm. is we are a nonprofit organization and we patrol Gunnersville Lake, um, which is one of the largest man-made lakes. And we, um, we support the Marine Police and the other local entities. Um, we also handle drownings, rescues, recoveries, uh, those type things. And, of course, just anything else that the city needs assistance with we try to back them up whenever we can gotcha and when you say patrol what do you mean uh we'll just have a presence on the lake a lot of times we'll be out there and you know if you have a boater in trouble or a boater that needs assistance we'll be out there to help with that those type things gotcha so like a volunteer coast guard kind of deal um we're along those lines yes okay we're a little bit different because we're more of a i guess you could say a recovery okay and specifically with canines though right 
Uh, no, the canines are separate. The canines okay. come in with the North Alabama Search Dog Association, um, okay. but they do work. They do work with us. Um, mm-hmm. We work together jointly um, because if you have a drowning, that's just another tool in the toolbox, so to speak. Um, you can bring in cadaver dogs, and you can actually um, kind of cut it down a little bit to to narrow your search area down. Because yeah. with, with us, we can drag, you know, drag for a body. Um, or use sonar, but with the dogs, it just kind of, it's just another tool. So, you know, you have another entity that you can partner with to, to help the families. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that we've used, you know, search dogs and, you know, I've heard of this before, but I'm, I had no idea that people did search dogs for the water, you know, underwater. Mm-hmm. Cadaver dogs can, can search for bodies that are in water yet. So how does that work? Uh, your body has a scent. Your body has, when you start breaking down, of course, you have oils and gases and things that, that will come off of the body. And that mm-hmm. does come through the water. So the dogs, of course, with their sense of smell, can smell that. So are they on the on a boat, essentially? And, yes. Okay. Actually, what we do is, is we'll, you'll have a dog and a handler, and we'll have one of our boats and one of our drivers, and we'll go out and take a certain area, section it off, and you know, you'll take the dog through the area on the boat. And then the dog will let you know somehow, I'm guessing? Yes, the dog has an alert. Okay, like, like he barks, I'm guessing? Um, some dogs bark. Some do- dogs, they do what we call a down, and that's just where they, they down on the boat. They'll lay down um, okay. and don't move. So. Gotcha. And then um, do they go into the water, or do they just kind of let you know the general area? No, they can give us a general area, and which what that does for us is that helps us to where we can either send divers down or we can drag the area depending upon how deep it is. Gotcha. And, um, and that's really cool. So how, I guess I want to say how accurate, I mean, how close can it, can a dog get through the water? I mean, that's, that's a lot. Pretty close. I really? mean, it can get pretty close. Yes. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Um, yeah. and because how deep is the, uh, the areas you're patrolling? It just depends. I mean, we have some very shallow areas. Okay. Um, and then we do have some deeper areas where you have your channel. Most of the areas around here are 10 to 12 feet. And mm-hmm. then you have some that can be quite a bit deeper, 65, 70 feet or, or deeper. And that's closer out towards the main channel in the dam area. Gotcha. Um, so I know you do um, a lot of a lot of body recovery, right? A lot of corpse recovery. We do, unfortunately. Um, with the rescue squad, we are the more of a recovery um, unit. We do, of course, rescues, but a lot of the times we're the agency that gets called in to, especially on the water, to help recover the bodies. Gotcha. And how, uh, and this a nonprofit, like you said, right? We are a nonprofit, yes. Why isn't, is, isn't there an I'm just, I, yeah, I always feel like there should be a government, like a, a you know, a firefighter or, you know. We do, um, but it's just that area is so big. And just the history of the town, we have been around for 65 years or more. Sure. And so we've always been one of the entities to handle the water. And I don't get me wrong, the fire department backs us up. And if we mm-hmm. need anything, they're there. But as far as just the boats and the resources, we have that, you know, where it doesn't tax their system if we go out. And since we've been doing it for so long, it just kind of how it falls. Gotcha. So what's your background? Um, my background, I am presently, um, of course, with the rescue squad, I am a board member. I'm also one of the divers. 
Um, and I've been doing this since 2011. I got started. Um, I joined the rescue squad and I think it was 2012. Um, my, my background, actually, I started in canine, which was um, with the North Alabama Search Dog Association. And then I worked a search with them where we were here in my own backyard and worked with the rescue squad. And I decided that was um, what I wanted to do and joined up then and just haven't looked back. And then, of course, here recently, I've joined the cave rescue unit to add another tool to my toolbox, so to speak, because the rescue, the repelling, and the caving aspect I've always enjoyed. So that's kind of where I've ended up now. So how did you become a canine SAR handler? And I'm sorry, what does SAR stand for? Search and rescue. Search and rescue. Okay, of course, that's obvious. Um, so how, how did you get into that? Um, I actually saw a uh, story on the news where they had recovered a lady out of the um, one of the local wilderness areas, and they had listed the group on the, um, the newscast, and I contacted them, and I had um, just gotten a puppy recently, a little, yellow, little yellow lab puppy, and so um, we emailed back and forth, and I met them, and it just it started from there. And I'm, I currently medically retired my first dog and started working my second dog now in April. So I'm, I'm into a new dog. Nice. And, and that dog is with you full time? That dog lives with me, yes. He lives nice. with me full time. And do you still have the first dog? I do still have the first dog, yes. Awesome. They stay Very with cool. us. What are the names? So, uh, I, my first dog, her name is Crimson, and my second dog's name is Chief. Nice. Yeah. Any reason they both have a, a C start? Just, just kind of ended up that way. Okay. Um, the, the second dog came from a handler that couldn't continue. He had got him as a puppy and wasn't able to continue, and so I took him and he came with the name, and so we just kept it. Gotcha. Let's work. <laughs> what, what, what kind of what kind of dog? Uh, they're both yellow labs. Is that preferable? Um, any working breeds preferable. Labs, shepherds, um, flat coats, any working breed. Um, we do have. Um, the odd, I guess the oddest one is uh, Nova Scotia duck telling retriever. We have one of those. Okay. Um, Australian shepherds, any kind of a working dog, a medium sized working dog would work. Perfect. Okay. Um, and is there, is there any breed that's considered better than the rest as far as this goes? Not no? really. You just have to look at the temperament and drive. More about the dog in particular than the, than the breed as a whole. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think I told you this when we talked before. Uh, my mom used to do um, underwater cave rescue, um, not rescue, but more recovery, like you said. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she had some really, you know, disturbing stories of, you know, going into, into ca these caves and, um, and diving and, and finding these bodies. And she she said that they all had um, the tips of their fingers were always worn off because they were trying to claw out of the, the cave. Um, and she said, usually it was uh, a matter of people, you know, thinking they had half the amount of air they started with, so they must be okay. Um, and it takes longer to get out than it does to get in. Um, so, you know, uh, what, what is the, you know, you said you do a lot of cave stuff. You do a lot of under, you know, just rescue or re uh, recovery in general, you know, um, what is the, the number one cause of these people? You know, what, what did they do wrong? Well, the main thing out here, of course, with an area as big as we have, we don't have a lot of underwater caves, so we don't have that issue here, really. Right. Um, we have had a couple of cave rescues where there there were some that were caught in a cave that, mm -hmm. you know, it was not a good situation. You had water coming in and had to get them out. Right. But the biggest thing around here is just drowning is not wearing life jackets. 
and, you know, of course, alcohol and water, um, those two never mix. And, and that's the biggest thing is, is you have people that um, either can't swim or they can swim and they don't have the life jacket on and something happens and they're incapacitated for some reason. And, and then we end up having to go in and, and get the bodies. We had, um, and, the, and the biggest thing I've always did is we push for everybody to wear life jackets. Right. That is probably the biggest thing. That's the one piece of equipment that you shouldn't go out on the water without. Um, the biggest thing I hear is, oh, well, it's in the boat. You know, I can put it on. No, okay. no, you can't. <laughs> right. You know, if you if you have a wreck or if you get thrown out of the boat, you, you can't put it on at that point. It's too late. Um, and, and our lake is so busy. It stays busy year round. It's, it's some of the best bass fishing in the world. Um, we recently had the Bassmasters here back in 2014. Um, that's how good it, it is. But um, they they go out on the water and they just take it for granted. It changes quickly. The weather around here changes quickly. And there's um, objects that you can hit out there. And then, you know, if you're not wearing your kill switch and you're not wearing your life jacket, you've just upped your chances of not coming home. And, and I just think people take that for granted. And, and it's hard because then you have to go out there and you have to recover those bodies and you have to bring them back to the families. And I'm sure your mother can tell you when you have to come back and, and deal with that, that is, is, you can't explain it. You can't describe that to somebody. You know, right. it's just, if you could, I think they'd wear their life jacket or they'd take <laughs> better precautions. But it's, it's hard. That's probably one of the hardest things we do is have to come back and face the families. Have them standing there watching you while you're dragging or you're diving or you're working, you know, a dog, whatever it may be to bring their loved one home. It's, it's hard. How long does that recovery normally take? Is it hours? Um, is it days? It just Maybe depends. Both? Um, it just depends. It depends upon the temperature and the time of year. In the summer, it's usually pretty quick, obviously, because usually a body will surface within 24 to 48 hours, okay. um, depending upon how deep or shallow the water is and the temperature of the water. Um, in the, um, sorry, in the winter months and in the fall months when it's cooler, it, it takes longer um, because, you know, the body doesn't break down as quickly and we, the water being as cold as it is, we can't always send divers in or if you can, it's for shorter periods of time. Um, you get out there and you drag and you do the best you can, you bring the dogs in, whatever else you have available to you, but it's not always to where it's a quick recovery. We've had them take months. Um, especially in the, the winter part, we've had them take months. Wow. Yeah. You know, what is that like continually looking for someone for, for months? Um, you know, it's hard because you want to bring closure to that family. You want to bring that loved one home, um, you know, and you, you want to do it as quickly as possible because they're not knowing that, you know, you kind of know where they're at, but you, you don't know when you don't have them and you can't bring back remains and they can't have that closure and it's hard. I mean, it is hard. And, and we've been out there before in, in the bitter cold. We've been out there when it's so cold. Um, but you just, you don't want to give up until they're home. Right. How, how long do you look for until you, do you eventually ever give up? Or is it just for, you keep going until you go? We keep going. We've, we've so far, every since I have joined, we've always made our recovery. And it may take us a while. Like I said, we had um, two that took several, several months. Um, but, you know, we, we kept going until we got them home. Um, I guess you eventually know the summer is going to come eventually, right? I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you do. And, and it will. And at that point, when the water starts warming up, of course, and usually the body surface, um, 
is the body still, I mean, after it's been under for that length of time, um, I imagine there's still clothes on it. It's still, you can still tell, right? Yeah, usually you can. Yeah. yeah. There's still, there's still enough to identify usually as far as articles of clothing and things along those lines. Yeah. So roughly how many drownings happen in this lake per year? We're very fortunate in the past okay. couple of years. We haven't had very many at all. We did have one here recently. Um, but that wasn't, that's the first one we've had in this area you know, okay. in, the, in the last couple of years. So we've been, we've been very lucky. Um, we did have one person that, that deceased several years ago, which we were able to pull him up. We actually went out and dragged. They knew about where he was at and we had him up in about three hours. Okay. That was pretty quick. So, so how many recoveries have you guys done total? Do you know? Oh no. Quite, we've yeah. done, yeah, we've done quite a few. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, but, but a, a pretty small number per year. Yes. It's usually a pretty small number per year. Um, we're mm -hmm. very fortunate in, in the fact that we're not as busy as some, um, we stay busy, you know, and it's just preventative stuff. We'll go out during the winter. It never fails. We always have, we always have a couple duck hunters that get into some issues and we have to go out and get them in or some bass fishermen or just some regular boaters, um, that, that get into trouble occasionally. But, that's usually our norm. Now we've, you know, we've had, um, we had a double drowning a couple of years ago. Um, you know, some people in the canoe didn't have life jackets on and, and we ended up having to, to find them, but that was probably one of the more recent ones, I guess. Gotcha. So on these, um, rescues or recoveries, so what, what's your role specifically? It just depends wherever we're needed. Um, I am okay. a public information officer, but we all, we all get in the boat, you know, we all get out there and, and do what we can. We'll either drag or if the divers are needed, you know, I'll go out as a diver or whatever, whatever, you know, is needed. Cause we're not very large at all. And we all have to wear different hats and play different roles and, you know, be diverse and wherever you're needed, you have to adapt and overcome, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what kind of, you know, uh, my brother is a uh, certified, you know, scuba diver. What, you know, did you have to do extra licensing for this or? Um, right now we will work up to extra licensing. We're all open water certified. Um, mm -hmm. Outside of that, we haven't gone and finished to get the recovery rescue part of it. Um, okay. But we were lucky. The, the person that trained us in open water, um, they knew what we were getting into. So it wasn't the normal open water training, if you get right. kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. They, they did more specific tailoring to what we were going to be doing. Gotcha. You know, things like you blacking out your mask because you, the area that we live in with the lake, you can't see anything. When you're down there, you're lucky if you can see your hand in front of your face. So anything oh. that you do, you're feeling. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't see much. Gotcha. So you black out your mask. They black out your mask when you train. They'll take and put either aluminum foil or they'll have a, a, a something in there to black it out where you can't see and you have to work blind. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, what is, I mean, what's even the point of diving at that point if you're just, you're just kind of pawing around, you know? Because sometimes that's the only way. Sometimes that's what, that works. You know, wow. if, you, if you can't find them in, in dragon, you know, if it's not an area that you can drag in, let's say you've got um, too much deadfall or you just don't have enough people to drag, then you send divers in and they go in. And if you've got a general area, you can find them. And they just feel around until they, they find something. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Why is the visibility so poor? It's just 
it, it's a lake. Um, yeah. So, you know, the water, it's it's murky. Um, yeah. And we have a dam, and if the dam is pulling a lot of water, sometimes it'll, you know, it'll stir up sediment and things like that. And if we've had a lot of rain, so it, it just changes the visibility picture. But it, at best, you may have two, three feet. It's, it's not like when you dive out in the ocean, it's definitely way different. Um, it's just a different body of water. Because we certified out, you know, in in the Panama City is actually where we went. Um, and we certified out there and diving there versus diving here is completely different. Gotcha. And then, so your work with the um, Alabama uh, Search Dog Association, um, that's more on land? Yeah, well, it is more on land. If we do any water, um, it's going to be on the boats, you know. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, we do more wilderness on the boats. Gotcha. More wilderness. We do also urban. Um, we do a little bit of both. And is your work with them kind of similar? Or? It is. It is. It's a. It's basically another recovery role. Um, sometimes we get to have a good ending. Sometimes we get called out, and we, you know, we're not having to recover a body. We're getting to bring somebody home. But those calls are not quite as many. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is, you know it takes a certain kind of person to want to do this, you know, um, you know, I, I really, I'm trying to imagine what, what, you know, what drove you to decide this is, you know, something you wanted to do as a, as a hobby, essentially. I mean, this isn't your day job, you know? Um, um, I worked in a funeral home for a couple of years. I was an apprentice assistant director before okay. I got my present job and just, I don't know. When you deal with death, sometimes that closely, you, you tend to make your peace with it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so being able to step in and either help before or even if it's just to bring somebody home, just to see the closure and to be able to give that to somebody, it just, if you know you can do it, it's, I don't know if you can say that you feel led to do it or you feel called to do it, but you know, if you have that ability and I just, I'm not a person that can sit around. Um, I always have to be doing something and my community has been extremely good to me and I've been incredibly blessed. And so this is my way of giving back is, is to help those that, that need it, you know, and, and we don't ask for money. Um, you know, donations are great because that's what we run on. But if we can go out and if we can help a family, if we can bring somebody home and of course we'd love to bring them home live, but if we can, if we can bring the remains home for closure, I mean, that there's no job that you'll get paid that is going to make, that's going to top that is, is when you can do something for that family. You know, there's, there's no job that's going to do that. Absolutely. How, how long have you been doing it? <clears throat> I've been doing rescue and recovery work since 2011. Okay. And did you do anything um, heroic before that? I mean, did you have any other hobbies? You know, just a mom. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you just, just um, what, what was your first encounter with it that made you think this was something you wanted to do? You know, I, um, I had a life changing event and um, I had gone through a divorce and I was looking for a direction. And when I saw that story, I had just gotten that puppy and I was, trying to find an outlet that that kind of helped me to deal with things. And so I saw that and I thought, what better way than to give back? And so I started with the search dogs in 2011. I started with um, the rescue squad and I think it was about 2012. And it just, it was a direction that, that I felt led to and it touched my heart. And that's kind of how I got started. 
did you go to college? I did. I have an associate's in criminal justice. Okay. So I, I finished my degree um, in 2015. Congratulations. Um, so. Thank you. I, I worked and, and was able to put myself through, through school to get that. So eventually I plan on going back, but I got to get kids through school first. <laughs> right. Of course. You know, that's, that's awesome, though. Um, yeah, thank you. you know, better, better than me. I haven't, I haven't gotten that far. So that's pretty cool. Uh, thank you. <laughs> absolutely. So what did you when you were growing up? What did you want to be? You know, what was the plan? I wanted to be a police officer growing up. And, okay. Um, and it's funny, life just kind of takes you a little different direction. And sure. you know, I ended up getting married and having kids and moving off. My ex-husband was military, and so we spent a couple of years doing that and then came home, and, and, and life just changed. Um, so I ended up doing this instead of uh, instead of being a police officer. Right, absolutely. Uh, what do your kids think of it? Well, you know, and that was the thing, because it does take me away from home a lot. And I've, I've sat down and I've discussed things with my kids. And I said, you know, this is something that affects all of us. And um, is this something that you have a problem with me doing? If you want me home more, I'll do it. And I said, no, this, you know, you go out and you help people and they need help. And they said, we're very proud of that. And so my kids play a huge role in it. Um, you know, if if I'm at work and I'm their home, and I've got a call out and I'll call and I'll say, Hey, I need this, 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 and this. When I get home, it's ready. All I have to do is grab my stuff, throw it in my truck and I'm, I'm able to get out the door. So, you know, my daughter will make sure if I come in late, I've got some food or, you know, she'll wait up on me till I get home. So it's, you know, I'm very, very blessed that I have some incredibly unselfish children. And, and I hope, I think we have a shortage of volunteers. Um, people it's, it's easy to write a check, and don't get me wrong, those checks are desperately needed, but it's very different when you give of your time and you give of yourself, and everybody is so busy nowadays that it's really difficult to find people that want to stop and put the time and effort into being a volunteer and actually giving back in that aspect, and I think um, that's the biggest thing is we're facing a shortage of volunteers, and they're desperately needed. Um, so it is it is hard to find people that can do this line of work. But now we don't we try to find a spot for everybody. Um, if you don't want to be out dragging, if you don't want to be out diving, there's other things that you can be doing. We'll always find a place for somebody. Um, you know, it's, it's if you want to give back, hey, you know, we'll work with you and we'll we'll make something work. But um, I guess if if you want to see a change in your community, then you have to be the change and, you know, sign up and volunteer, whether it's if you can't do rescue recovery work. You know, even something as small as going and giving blood or volunteering at a shelter, whether it's a homeless shelter or a battered women's shelter, um, whether it's going and, and delivering meals to elderly or, or homebound. There's so many things that you can do that it's just the reward that you get out of that is better than any paycheck you'll ever bring home. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that completely. So d does your daughter have an interest in doing this eventually? She... Um, she does. She's going to do a little bit different aspect of it, I think. She's looking at the forensic area of it, the forensic psychology, forensic sketching. She's an incre incredibly gifted artist. Oh, wow. And so I, I think that's kind of the line she's wanting to take. Nice. Um, did she get that from you? Or are you autistic? I'm not. My mother is, but I think it skipped a generation. There you go. <laughs> I can draw a stick figure and make it look decent, but that's about as much as you get. You're a little better than me then. I can't even do that, you know. So, I just, I don't have that gene, you know. But um, would, would you want her to do it? You know, if that was something she was interested in, would you, you know, is that something you would recommend for your kids? 
Well, I will say this, um, and because I've thought about it, um, and if she feels led to do it and she has that ability, then yes, I would want her to go out and help, help others. Um, because it, I think it's incredibly important. I think that in the day that we live in, the time that we live in, everything is so modernized that we lose contact with each other. You know, everything is everybody's on their phones and everybody's so caught up in, in all the electronic stuff that we lose that, that humanity almost. We don't right. have that, that contact. So if she can go out and give back to a family and have that interaction with that family, um, you always gain something from it, no matter how hard it may be, you know, and, and if you can be there to help somebody, I think it just, it grounds you. And, and I think that is more needed than anything because you see the real need out there for people and it's not inside some phone. We can scroll through and see the most horrible things on the phone and, and it's just like, you're almost like, oh, that's, that's not good. You know, I'm, I hate it for them. And you just, you're desensitized to how it really is when you're standing there looking at it. So yeah, if she can do that, I think it would be something that, that would be good. It'd be grounding and maybe she wouldn't take things for granted. Now you've talked um, about how, you know, if she can do it, you talked before how you think it's important for you because you can do it. You know, is it a skill set or a mindset that you think makes, makes it so you're able to do it? You know, what are you referring uh, to? I think people handle things differently and sure. some people are better at nurturing other people. Some people are better at being nurses and doctors. Some people mm -hmm. are better at running into burning houses or, you know, bullets flying at them. And then some people are just able to go out and and bring loved ones home. So we each have, I think, a different skill set ingrained in us. And it's just, I think, your personality and who you are and what you can handle mentally. I think it is it is a big mental um, capacity to that because which now you're seeing more with PTSD and you're seeing more um, the effect of that. And so you have to, to be able to handle that and have the tools. And, and be able to know how to use them to be able to stay in this line of work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you have to have a certain, a certain mindset. So I'm guessing that most people who do this do it for a long time, right? You generally find that most volunteers, volunteer or paid individuals that do this, do it because they really, they want to. Um, right. They feel that's where they need to be. I think if you ask anybody, there's there's not a one of us that if that that radio goes off or that tone drops, that call comes out, it, we'll drop what we're doing, you know. Um, and, and you go because that's that's just what you do. And and generally, it's very hard once you've been doing it for so long to just not do it anymore. It's just I, I can't explain it. You just you can't. Right. You can't just walk away. It's very hard to walk away from it once you've done it. So, so between the two, how many calls do you get a year, roughly, do you think? Um, gosh, the rescue squad, easy, easy 30 to 50. Oh, wow. Um, and a lot of that, well, and a lot of that is just, you know, helping stranded boaters and, um, mm -hmm. you know, those type things. Um, we have, you know, we do assist. We've had a couple searches and we, we do assist with that, with the dogs. Um, the live searches are not as many. Um, we'll have maybe five, six during the summer, just depending. It can be more, it can be less. It just depends. Um, cadaver is a lot more. Um, I don't work a cadaver dog right now because that, that takes a little bit more time. And right now with my kids where they're at, I, 
I'm okay with just working a live dog. So I couldn't give you exact numbers on cadaver, but it's, it's more than live. Gotcha. So right now you're only searching for people who are alive? My dog only does live. Um, there okay. are dogs that are cross-trained that can do both, but yeah, I'm only doing live right now. Did, did Crimson do, do both? No. no. Well, he did only live as well? Uh, only live, yeah. We only we only do live with both of them. That's the only thing I'm training for until at least my kids are up and gone. Gotcha. Which, I mean, uh, a little bit of a happier outcome, at least, if you find a, you know, it is, um, you know, in the, the running joke with us is once you call us, you'll find them because about yeah. the time we get everybody mobilized, they're located, which is great. And we would much rather have it that way, um, you know, but we we have had a couple of good live recoveries and those are always great because then you don't you can have the happy ending where a lot of times it's not. Um, do you have an example of a happy ending that you can share? Um, we did have. I was trying to think. We did have an elderly man that um, they were able to locate. Uh, it was back last year, I think, that he had, um, I think it was Alzheimer's or dementia, and one of our handlers was able to help locate him and return him to his family. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, usually with us, it's usually um, children or elderly that have Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, you get the occasional lost hunter. But, mm. you know, nowadays with cell phones and GPS and all that, very few people get lost. Um, but it does happen occasionally. There you said in the water, you always have a few duck hunters, right? Uh, around here in the winter, <laughs> we always have a couple duck hunters that end up getting into some sketchy situations and we have to go out and, and get them sometimes. Is that a combination of alcohol and recklessness or, uh, no, I think it's a little too cold for that usually, but, um, yeah. they end up either they'll have, um, issues with their boat or, okay. um, you know, they end up getting stuck in a situation where the boat's not running, they can't get back, um, you know, they get stranded, those type of things. We've had some of that happen. I was talking to uh, Mario Vittoni, and he's a, um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a, he, he was formerly a Coast Guard uh, rescue swimmer. So, you know, his helicopter would fly over and he would jump out and swim to people and, and rescue them and, okay. and save them. And, you know, he said on any open water accident, um, rescue, whatever it was, um, almost 100 percent of the time, you know, besides, you know, like natural disasters, the the mistake was made before they left. You know, um, the, the error that led to them needing to be rescued happened on shore, not in the boat. Right. Preparation. Would you, would yeah. you agree with that? A hundred percent. hundred percent. Totally. He's exactly right. Because. They go out and they don't have enough gas or they don't have a change of clothes or they don't have the proper navigation tools or signaling devices. Um, you know, they, they get out there, they don't have life jackets. Um, and then when you're out on that water, that water is unforgiving. Um, it, it doesn't care. You know, it, it doesn't care who you are, what you do for a living or what your income is. Um, it's, it's an ultimate equalizer. But, yeah, I agree completely because if you go out there without, without what's needed, you're going to end up calling us. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. I would agree. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have the helicopter, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he was the Coast Guard, you know, uh, they, yeah. they, they actually made a movie that, um, with Kevin Costner called, um, I'm going to forget the name of it now, but it was Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher. And it was made, um, on the base that he, he worked at. He, he helped out a little bit on the movie, but, um, yeah, kind of a neat thing, you know, kind of similar to what you do, you know, yeah. but I think, 
you're cooler because you have a dog, which uh, I think <laughs> I think makes <laughs> makes everything cooler, you know. Well, thank you. How are those dogs around the house? You know, uh, when they're not when they're not rescuing people, you know. Just uh, they're just like normal dogs. Um, they yeah. do, they are a little bit more high drive dog because you kind of have to have that for that line of work. But outside of that, I mean, they're just like normal dogs. Um, always male, female, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I, yeah. I prefer to run females, but my current dog's a male, so. Gotcha. Why, why do you prefer to run females? It's just a different, um, a different temperament, a different mindset. And, okay. Uh, so I, I prefer some people don't have a problem running either, but that's just my preference. Gotcha. Very good. And how long, um, can you run a, run a dog until it's, it's too long? Uh, it's, it's based on the individual dog. We try not to run them really more than eight or nine years. Cause it's just, okay. it's very difficult. It's very hard on their body. Um, so we try not to run them any longer than that. But if, if the dog's in good working condition and it's not got any problems, you can run them maybe nine, 10 years, but I wouldn't say any more than 10. Right. That makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. and, and what about a person, you know, how long should, how long should you do this for? Well, and that's, again, it's kind of like the dog. It's each individual person and you have to be honest. And I think that's the hardest part with doing this line of work because it's really hard sometimes that, we don't want to admit that we have limitations and as we get older and our bodies change and we go through that, it's very hard to admit that maybe we can't do what we were able to before. So you have to be honest in that. You have to stay in good physical shape. You need to get your, your annual exams and, uh, you know, just listen to your body. And then when it's time to hang it up, there's always another role you can play, but you don't, you don't ever want to cause more harm and you don't want to be out there and be the one that needs to be rescued. And I think that's where you have to be very honest and open with yourself and admit when it's time you may need to step back and take a, a different role so that you don't make the situation worse. As long as you're in good working order. As long as you're in good working order. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and what about, what about mentally? You know, um, I mean, it's got to take a toll mentally, you know, I mean, how long do you really want to do this, you know, mentally, not just physically, you know, and then, you know, again, that's individual. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's very important. Um, I think the good thing that I'm seeing now in the trend in the community is um, it's not whereas before you were just supposed to be tough and you weren't supposed to show that. And, you know, but that's changing and they're realizing and recognizing that it's taking a toll on people because you're seeing things that, that people aren't even meant to see in a lifetime, much less over and over on a daily basis a lot of times for especially the paid, you know, um, entities but I think um, having a good support system is key and um, having resources that you can go to if you need to talk if you're having problems I think that's incredibly important mental health is just as important as physical health um, and I, I really think not just with the rescuer but also with the families because a lot of times the families don't know how to handle what's going on with that person and I think sometimes the biggest thing that's left out is is helping the families to deal with that so I think that's incredibly important. That's probably just as important, if not more so, than the physical part of it. Do you guys have a, uh, a counselor or a psychologist kind of on staff? Or um, We don't. We are very good to debrief and, and talk with each other, but we do have available if we would like to have them or need them. Of course, that that is there and it is available to us. Mm -hmm. um, but we're really good to, if somebody needs to talk, hey, you know, I'm here, pick up the phone, let me know, uh, we'll sit down and talk. But I think debriefing and just um, talking about things, a lot of times just not bottling up and sitting on them. 
you know, is, is key. How many people are in your squad? Um, we have on the books about 30, but the ones of us that really actually run the calls a lot of the times, there's just a small number of us, maybe five or six that, that actually run because not everybody, like I said, you know, we've all got different roles and not everybody's in that role of, of answering the calls. Um, so there's about six of us that, that generally run just the everyday things. Now, if we have something big, um, then you have more people that come out, obviously, but just the day-to-day stuff, there's about six or seven of us. And what's the longest someone's done this? You know, who's the most veteran person at your squad? Oh gosh, (laughs) we do have one gentleman and he was actually a founding member. And so he's been doing it the majority of his life and he's in his eighties and still with us. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he, he sits on the board with us and um, he's still really involved. And I, and I think it's great. I mean, because there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge that we can get from him. And the others, there's several that are still here that are still with us. And I, I think it's great because that helps to guide the ones of us that are coming up and to continue on what we're doing. So I, I think it's needed. I think that knowledge and that experience is needed. Yeah, that's, that's really cool, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think the work with the, the dogs is especially kind of neat. It's an interesting twist on it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had no idea, you know, as much as I deal with water safety, um, I didn't know you could use, um, a dog for, for water rescue, yeah. you know, um, yeah. uh, we're very lucky. We, we've got a lot of entities around here. Like I said, you know, the search dogs and the cave units and just, and those are both, you know, volunteer entities. So the good thing is you've got all these different things available to you so that even though you may not have that resource yourself, it's just a phone call away and we've got some great people that that'll pick up and the ones that can leave work will leave work. And, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a great community. Um, so how does the cave unit differ from everybody else? Um, they do technical, more technical at high angle. Um, it's a lot of times it's cracked and crevice. It's halls and lowers. It's, it's a whole lot different because as your mom will tell you, underwater caves are tricky. Above ground caves are, are the same way. Um, mm-hmm. We actually, I helped with a class this past weekend that they had, and I was actually a patient, um, which is a little different for me. But, um, <laughs> but it's very technical, and you have, again, different roles. Um, that's the good thing about rescue is there's always different roles. You have people that do rigging. You have people that do hasty teams. You have people do evac teams. You know, there's different roles everybody can play. So if you have a different skill set, you can find your niche, and you can go with it. But um, it's a little bit more technical and it's just a different aspect. Whereas with the rescue squad, we're on the water and that's our area. Um, the dogs, it's more land-based. And then with the cave rescue unit, it's more underground. Gotcha. So, so if someone wanted to find out about you guys or donate or, um, you know, help you or whatever it was, how could they find you? We are all on the web. All three entities are on the web. Um, I've, I am the um, public information officer and I run the rescue squad page. Um, the Facebook page, the, um, we have an Instagram and a Twitter account as well. Um, you can find, um, us, of course, Gunnersville Rescue Squad on Facebook and we're linked. All of our accounts are linked. Um, the North Alabama Search Dog Association, you can find us on Facebook as well. Um, and Instagram and then same thing with the Huntsville Cave Rescue Unit. Um, so you can find all three of those entities on there. Gotcha. And you're with all three of those. I am. I am a member of all three of those. 
maybe you need like 10 more hobbies. Um, just, I don't think you do quite enough. It's, you know, that's, I thought it's both admirable and insane that you do all of that while having a full-time job and, you know, and also being a mom with two kids, you know, that's, yeah. uh, it's impressive. Well, I'm very blessed and I'm very thankful to all the entities that, that give me this opportunity. The rescue squad has been great. Um, you know, they, and we work, we work so well, you know, with the dog teams and the cave rescue unit, we can all work together. And it's just, it's a really great thing that, that everybody can, can do that because it just, it benefits the community when you have that available. Do a lot of people overlap? I do, they do. A lot of people that do volunteer are in more than one organization. Um, you know, a lot of us, um, that run dogs are in, in a different organization. A lot of us that are on the rescue squad do different um, organizations. And, and same thing with the cave rescue unit. I think you find that it's just, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but you, you end up finding other niches when you're doing this that you you like and you want to explore and it opens a different door for you. Gotcha. Is there anything that you want people to know before we finish up? Um, just be safe, you know, always be safe. Um, be prepared when you go out. If you're on the water, please wear your life jacket. Um, you know, and, and just just think about that because if you don't, if you don't, the other option is we'll have to come and, and bring you home, and, and that's you know not always a good thing. And, and volunteer if you feel led to do so. Volunteer, go out and make a difference in your community. It's just it's the greatest way you can give back. I think you're 100 percent right. I think you know people, especially young people, having you know, a sense of purpose and having responsibility, I, I think it gives you, you know, I think it brings you happy. You know, I think that we have the, the wrong idea about what creates happiness. And I think what really makes happiness is, you know, having something important to do. And uh, I think you're, I think you're on the right track, you know? Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. When you can do something for somebody and you don't expect anything in return, the return that you get is so much more. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for doing this and thanks for coming back and doing it a second time. And uh, we've been, uh, me and Sarah, who you talked to, we've been enjoying saying your name all the time. We're, we're very excited, like CJ Jones. So uh, is it just fun well, to say? Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And thank you for having us. We really appreciate you giving us this opportunity. Absolutely. And keep doing what you're doing. We, oh. we follow you on Facebook and we really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you so much. Very important. All right, CJ. Well, you have a great day. Uh, tell your uh, folks there at work, thanks for letting us have you for a little bit. And uh, we will see you again real soon. Sounds good, Eric.